Hear now the words of the Lord. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Jesus had thought long and hard about this moment. He says in the text that he had earnestly desired to eat this meal, this Passover meal with his disciples. Which leads me to believe that probably the Lord knew the profound significance of his death. The death that he would die on the cross as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And how so much of what was practiced in the Old Testament in the Passover meal was to be fulfilled literally, dramatically, dynamically, and salvifically in Christ's death on the cross. And His hour was approaching, and now it had arrived. This is the very night before Jesus was crucified. He had been looking forward to this moment because this was going to be a pivotal moment This was going to be a moment when the Passover of the Old Covenant was fulfilled completely in the obedience of Christ in laying down His life as a sacrifice. But more than that, it was going to be the inauguration, the commencement of a memorial meal that would be the Passover meal, not in prophecy, but the Passover meal in fulfillment. And it would be that meal, that He would have with His disciples that would be the supper 
of the Lord. And it would be an inauguration, a commencement of what God's children would do. That the disciples of Jesus there in that room would be followed up with centuries of believers repeatedly communing together at the table of the Lord. In His presence and with Him and fellowship together in a meal that memorialized, symbolized, and proclaimed the death of Christ till He comes. It projected even beyond the age when the disciples would meet on earth to a time when it would be a consummation, a fulfillment. And there would be a great supper of the Lamb when the bride of Christ would meet in a marriage supper in the kingdom of God fulfilled for all eternity. This was a a moment, a pivotal moment. And Jesus had looked forward to it. No doubt they'd had a Passover meal together earlier, but it had not been the one that this one was. This one was to be the one right at the moment of Christ's death. So Jesus asked his disciples to prepare the Passover. And there were particular instructions they were to follow. And we get those from Moses in chapter 12. Let me spend just a moment, if you'll allow me, I think it'll be worth our time to go back. I know you're familiar with the Passover story, but back in Exodus 12, when God's people were in bondage in Egypt, And God had called Moses to go back and lead them out of their bondage and redeem them to himself and bring them into the wilderness so that they might worship him and keep his Sabbaths. And then God would lead them into the land of promise and fulfill that promise that God had made to Abraham generations earlier where he said, I will give you the land. At that time in history, as Moses had contended with the Pharaoh, and you know the story of the plagues and the miracles, And finally, Pharaoh had consented to let them go. The night that they were to leave, all the preparations were that they were to leave, and they were to leave in a hurry. And so the the instructions were given to Moses to tell the people what to do in this what would be in Egypt their last supper. And let me just survey the instructions there found in in, uh, Exodus chapter 12. First of all, in this meeting, this meal, there was to be no aliens, no strangers, no unbelievers, nobody uncircumcised. If there was an uncircumcised child, he was to be circumcised. This meal belonged to God's covenant people. It was to be celebrated in households, not in a tabernacle, not in a temple, not in the great congregation, but in individual households. God's people are gathered by family groups. It was to be a meal that would involve the eating of a lamb. This lamb was to be a firstling of the flock, a year old, a yearling. It was to be a lamb without spot and without blemish. It could be a lamb of the goats or a lamb of the sheep, but it had to be a lamb that fit this particular description. There were to be no bones broken. All the congregation of the people shall eat of it. It was to be universal participation. It would be something that would be done by all of the families 
of Israel there in Egypt. The lamb was to be slaughtered at twilight. It was to be slaughtered before sundown so that the, the preparations could be made. The blood was to be drawn. The blood was to be poured into a basin. And in that basin, they were to put a hyssop bush, a kind of a, a, a bushy a little branch type of plant. And they were to use that hyssop branch to dip into that, that basin of lamb's blood. And they were to take that blood and to splash it all over the door, on the doorpost of the residence where the family lived. And he was to told them that they were then to take the meal and to roast it for the meal. And they were to burn the remains. When they got through with this meal, they needed to get rid of it. It would be finished. There would be no further work that would be, need to be done with respect to this particular ceremony. They would eat it with their belt fastened and their shoes on and their staff in their hands. They were to eat it in haste because they were not going to lounge around the couch and watch television. They were going to be up and moving out of the land. In fact, the great march started. This was the sustenance for a, 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 a very long ordeal that they were to undergo for that moment for three days to the Red Sea. And they had to be nourished for the journey. In other words, it was a meal that was in anticipation of a slog, of a, of, of a difficult uh, journey and a transition. And then they were to pass through the land there would be the death angel that night. And the death angel, this was the plague that God had dreaded to tell Pharaoh they would have to endure. But this was the one where the death angel would pass through and would smite and strike the firstborn. Israel had already been called upon to dedicate their firstborn, all the firstborn of the entire congregation, in fact, of everything they had, even of the, of the flocks and their, their children and their, their sons to the Lord. And the firstborn of, of, of Egypt would be stricken. And the Lord said that if the door post, the door was splattered and covered in blood, the death angel would pass over that door and go to the next one. And if that door was splashed with blood, he would pass over that one and go to the next one. And all throughout the land, the death angel would go, representing the severe judgment of God. Thus, it's called the Passover. But they were to every year following this, celebrate this particular event on a particular day of a particular month every year it was to be a feast to the Lord it was to be continued throughout the generations and it was to be interestingly enough there in, in Exodus 12 it says it was to be a statute forever it was even though the Passover would be fulfilled in Christ it didn't stop there it continued and it was to last forever, on into eternity at the marriage supper of the Lamb. There would be this meal. What's so significant about the meal? Well, the meal itself consisted of a few elements. We mentioned a roast lamb, the lamb that had been slain, whose blood had been splattered upon the doorpost. This meal was to be consumed, roasted and consumed. It was also to be accompanied by unleavened bread, that is bread without yeast. 
a flatbread, bread that was baked according to a recipe, a very sparse, simple, uh, kind of a, a dull tasting bread. And it was to be accompanied as well with bitter herbs. The vegetables in this meal were to be of the greens that were bitter. This was not going to be a mashed potatoes and butter and gravy type of a trimming. This was to be a bitter meal because it was going to represent for God's people a bitter experience. And then accompanying, of course, is the drinking of the wine, which universally throughout Scripture, and especially in the New Testament, and especially in the life of Christ, the wine always presents and represents the blood of Christ. Just like the changing of the water into wine at the marriage at Cana, when the massive amount of wine was produced, showing that the sufficiency and the, of the blood of Christ, there was blood to save, blood to cover the sins of humanity. And all those in Christ would have ample atoning fluid. The blood was to be splattered. I, I mentioned the um, place where they were to put the hyssop branch into the basin of drawn lamb's blood. The words used there is the word baptize. They were to dip, baptize, to dip the blood, I mean the hyssop, into the blood. All of the ancient symbols of Israel were ceremonies that involved the dipping, the baptizing of something into a fluid and then the splashing of that fluid or the pouring of that fluid over the subject. That was Old Testament mode of baptism. The church should not deviate from that, regardless of how they may misunderstand who and what is to be dipped. We'll stop for a minute and let that settle in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The, blood, the, the dipping of the blood never changed in all the ceremonies. The, the dipping of the water, the water of the ashes of the red heifer, the water that was drawn, the living water that was splashed upon the people to symbolize cleansing and the bathing and the purging. Never changed in its symbol, never changed in its mode. In the Old Testament, the pouring of the oil into the hand and then the dipping of the hand into the hen of oil, the quart of oil, the liter of oil that they would have that symbolized the pouring of the Holy Spirit in the anointing that was used. Never changed in the Old Testament. That's the highly uh, significant symbolism of the way God anoints, purges, and atones with blood and water and with oil, His people. All very, very, very meaningful in their symbol. And there's another motif you need to catch in this particular thing, and that's the, the notion of the door that had the lamb's blood splashed on it. That was the, the symbol of and the motif of Scripture that teaches about the narrow and the way. The only way to God is through a bloody door. Jesus said, I am the door to the sheepfold. The gate, the narrow gate is constricted. The only way you ever, ever find your way to the true and living God is through the blood of Christ, through the bloody door. And the only way the death angel will pass over you and the judgment of God will be abated on your behalf is for the Lord to see the blood applied. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. 
If the blood of Christ has not been applied to your life by faith, symbolized by the splashing and the sprinkling of baptism, then there is no escape for you. You must have applied to you the blood of Christ, the atoning blood of Christ. Christ is obviously this lamb that is slain from the foundation of the world, blood shed for his people. All of this is very significant. It will be much more fleshed out in the, in the various sacrificial rituals that the Lord will give Moses on the mountain for his people to, to, uh, to uh, practice for generations, for hundreds of years, all looking forward to that death that Christ would die. And I think the Lord felt that way that night when he realized that here I am with my disciples, with the 12 tribes of Israel, symbolized by the 12 apostles, gathered together in place, in a special place, in an upper room. The upper room in Scripture always represents the place where you go to be with God. It, it's the mountaintop. It's the, it, it's the moving up toward God. It's why so many hundreds and thousands of cathedrals and sanctuaries throughout the world have been built with staircases. It is a place where you ascend into the hill of God and you come that way only by the bloody door and you come to Christ. And there in that upper room it was prepared this Passover and Jesus is now with there with his disciples and it's a meal. In fact, uh, Edersheim, who's probably one of the leading authorities on the ways of the ancient uh, first century church's practices, uh, says that it was a very elaborate meal. It had multiple courses and there were multiple servings of the cup, the wine. We see in our passage that there was an earlier distribution of the cup and then after supper there was a presentation of the cup in the significant way where Jesus having issued the bread, the loaf, says that that bread is his body which has been given for them. His body would be hanging on a cross not more than 14 hours later. The blood would be sprinkling and dripping down from his thorn-crowned brow. The lacerations upon his back from the beating would be oozing out. The blood dripping from the nails piercing his hands and his feet would be splashing on the sand and gravel below. And before it was all done, a spear would thrust through his side and out would flow blood and water, cleansing and atoning, justifying blood, sanctifying water. And there would be an actual, an actual atonement. The Passover represented and symbolized the atonement. But the death of Christ on the cross was the actual accomplishment of it. See, God did not stop with giving us just weak and beggarly elements of symbols and traditions and rituals. If that's all we had in the Christian faith, we would be pretty vacant, pretty vapid, pretty vain. That's not what we have. We have an actual slain lamb. A man who is dying in our place 
taking our sins upon himself and paying the complete just and righteous penalty for those sins, fully deserved, taking our blame and our shame and bearing for us what it takes to save us. When we come to the the sacrament and participate in the eating of the bread, the wafer, this is the body of Christ presented to us in just a simple crust of bread. But the crunch upon it is the crush of his body for sin. One of the interesting things of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, which goes through immense detail in concerning the meaning and the, the ordeal of the crucifixion of Christ. Words are used like bruised, smitten, crushed, broken, cut off, slain, all talking about that same thing that happened to Christ. The sufferings of Christ upon the cross were awful. That's because our sin is awful. The ordeal he underwent was extreme. It was unto death. That's because our sins are unto death. The wages of sin is death. And there was no stopping short. There was no pulling back. There was no getting around the cup that Jesus had to drink, the full cup of God's wrath. And that's what he's facing here as he tells his disciples, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. It's the new covenant in my blood. It was that which was promised. The old covenant operated beautifully in everything it had, but the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. But the one sacrifice of Christ, once for all, for all time and for all God's people, availed. That's why Jesus was anxious. He was earnest and intense to host this meal because it was going to transcend. It was going to be a Passover celebration for sure but it was going to transcend the old covenant Passover. And this meal was going to preach. This meal was going to preach the gospel of the sin-bearing, saving work of Christ. The Bible tells us that by one act of obedience, Jesus redeemed everything that Adam, our father, had lost by one act of disobedience and that's what Christ knew and he couldn't wait to get this message to his disciples and to teach them and to show them and to participate with them in this event that would show forth the death that he would soon die Has the Lord taken the hyssop and splattered the blood of Christ on your soul? You know what I'm talking about. Have you examined yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith? 
whether you've really come to the Lord in truth, not just turning over a new leaf and saying, I'm going to do better next time, not being of a strong mind that says, I'm going to reform my ways, I'm going to get better and better. The gospel is not just, I'm just an old chunk of coal, I'm going to be a diamond someday. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that we are transformed and we are atoned and we are cleansed and we are redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb without spot and without blemish. Have you, as the old gospel song says, been washed in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Have you? 